This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same-game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Welcome back to the Weekend Ball Podcast. Um, today, uh, I'm joined by Vivek Jacob of where well, you're basically everywhere these days. So um, Toronto Star for Cricket, uh, Raptors.com, Sportsnet. Um, am I missing something? I feel like I need to plug you better than this. But uh, thanks so much, Vivek, for taking the time. And then we'll talk some Canada hoops. And uh, yeah. No, you touched on plenty. So thank you. And thanks for having me. And uh I look forward to picking your brain on uh, your coverage being uh, someone who's actually there in the Philippines. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's in uh, Jakarta actually, but uh, it's in, we're in Indonesia, but. Um, oh, right. Yeah. But it does go to, if people don't know, basically uh, it's in Okinawa, basically the group phases. Um, there's two, I think four groups are in Manila, but at two different stadiums in yeah. Manila. And then there's Okinawa in Japan, and then which has two groups. And then here we have a uh, group H and G. I always forget the group names, but um, basically Canada's with France. They play them tomorrow, so that'll be a, obviously a big game. And I'm sure we'll we'll touch upon that as well. And then on the other side, here in uh, Jakarta, the big powerhouse is Spain. Brazil, who's looked pretty good, they beat actually Australia in Australia recently. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it's just to kind of talk about covering. Um, cause normally when on my own podcast behind the play, I ask you Vivek all about your experiences, but, um, I guess I'll share a little bit of my own. Um, but it's just been really cool to, to meet players. I, you know, I'm trying to do a little bit of a piece on, on Rowan Barrett, um, kind of the family tie. So I spoke to him today, um, which was pretty cool. Um, considering I feel like I've listened to him speak about the Canadian team for like five years now, um, talked a little bit one-on-one with some other players on the team, which has been really cool. Talked to Lou Dort a bit, which uh, um, I actually have a jersey, and I, I felt too embarrassed to say that I had one, but uh, maybe I'll tell him uh, down the line. But uh, no, it's been really cool. Got my press credentials, talking to a bunch of French journalists, so I'm sharpening up on my French, which has been fun. I think I'm going to have a, a, a reporter for the keep uh, in, in France talk a bit about France uh, tomorrow morning here in Jakarta time, so tomorrow, so... That's just awesome. You know, um, I'm going to try to do a preview. I know the time's going to be a bit of crunch, but uh, I'll, I'll put something out just so uh, people have a bit of kind of info on, on France, obviously, where they play on a Friday morning in, in Canada. And uh, no, it's been awesome. Arash Madani, I can't say nicer words about him. He's just been phenomenal. I actually followed him around his uh, TV hit yesterday for, for Sportsnet, and he's kind of given me, shown me the ropes and everything. So it's been, uh, it's been just a whirlwind um that this the flying in was uh was fun um definitely did not sleep on the planes so a bit uh jet lag but uh yeah any any i guess just like any tips for me i guess uh just covering the team uh here in uh, jakarta uh so i have a lot of experience dealing with jet lag so my <laughs> first tip to you would be like you have to fight it mm-hmm. um like if you kind of go in with, oh, I'm just going to like let my body acclimate and like it, I find it definitely takes longer that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the more you fight it, the more your body is kind of like, okay, we got to <laughs> change things up here. Um, and so I found that works well for me. Maybe it doesn't work for other people. Who knows? Um, but yeah, besides that, I mean, obviously uh, you mentioned that right now there's like limited Canadian media there. So absolutely, you know, take advantage of that. And uh, the fact that, you know, you have so much opportunity in front of you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's awesome that you're there and yeah. Cover the heck out of this team. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll do my best just so people know I'm I'm going to try to do a podcast almost every day while I'm here. We'll, we'll see. Um, I'm going to kind of keep it up. Um, and uh, I have a bunch of cool guests. I have Michael Grange coming on um obviously i've asked uh, barahini or in weisfeld so i have a, you know and yourself which is so and i had will do yesterday so people we have a bunch of guests 
I'll be doing post-game recaps, so everyone just stay tuned for that. So I'll have a post-gamer with Esper Heaney of, of SCPN. So, um, but yeah, it's been really cool trying not to ask uh, dumb questions, so uh, which is is tough for sure. Um, and and kind of building relationships with players, and I'm sure by the end uh, I'll feel like I, you know, kind of understand where they're coming from, and hopefully some stories come out of it for the pod and and for writing for Raptors Republic. So. Um, and uh, definitely been doing a lot of TV and radio hits, which has been really cool uh, just to kind of go on the, the radio. Um, so, yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's kind of get started with with this team. Like, Vivek, I, I just I'm curious because you've been co- covering the Raptors for a couple of years now. But what what's kind of your first memory of the Canadian national team for you? Oh, man. Uh, first memory of the Canadian national team, I would probably say, um, was not watching live, right? It was like, I came to Canada in 2002, um, Mm. and then like being, you know, following Steve Nash and stuff like that, you're going back and watching like the 2000 highlights and, uh, or low lights, depending on <laughs> how you want to look at it. But uh, yeah, I think watching those highlights were the first memory. So, um, you know, watching Steve Nash and Sherman Hamilton in the backcourt. <laughs> oh, there you <laughs> go, Sherman. Do you know Sherman well? Uh, I wouldn't say I know him well. Uh, we know each other. Yeah. Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call us friends uh, or anything like that. Uh, not not in a bad way or anything like mm-hmm. that. We just don't don't, don't know each other. I mean, <laughs> yeah. he, he's he's a lot bigger than I am. There's no need for him to be spending time with me. <laughs> I don't know about that, but yeah, yeah. Um. So, um. Yeah. So watching watching those highlights and then kind of just like tracking the team over the years. Um. I think, you know, to be honest with you my favorite memory would probably be, you know, watching Jamal Murray do his thing at the Pan Am mm-hmm. games. Um, yeah. And that was like the first time I got super excited about Jamal. Um, and I actually remember, you know, my early days in the industry, I was writing for B-Ball Breakdown. Yeah. And uh, Jamal Murray uh, was you know the year he was drafted we we were kind of giving our takes on different rookies and and things like that um and we kind of had this thing where we would almost like a text chain we would like just publish that uh, like Mm -hmm. our thoughts and one of the text chains was like me having um a back and forth with uh snotty dripping okay Um, uh like that that's his twitter uh handle and um about Jamal uh and he was kind of like I don't really see a big ceiling or that type Mm. of thing um and I was just like I think Jamal is going to be incredible right um so that was uh so I remember when the bubble happened um and I hit him up and, and you know he still remembered the conversation so um you know in terms of my favorite memory definitely go back to the the Pan Am stuff and and then you know just a a lot of disappointment right like i think to bring it back to looking ahead to this tournament um i have very much been of the mindset of like hey let's see this team actually clinch like a qualifying spot for the olympics first right before we Mm -hmm. talk about medal before we talk about gold any of that stuff like get to the olympics this is a, a, a team that has not qualified for the olympics since 2000 there was a lot of hype going into 2016 failed to do that a lot of hype going into 2020 failed to do that so let's just be a bit humble there are a lot of really good teams out there that's qualified first <laughs> yeah we no no about I, I, a I mean, or whatever no i mean um i think uh what's funny i did ask jamal murray about uh the pan am or it was the pan am games right and yeah. he said oh you remember that eh?" and <laughs> that was uh, funny so he obviously had fond memories of, of that tournament. So that was, that was kind of funny for, for me and uh, a good kind of quote, but yeah, to... like the coolest. So just quickly, like the coolest yeah. thing about like watching that was you, you saw right there, how much he loved the big moments. And yeah. it's like coming down the stretch of these like tight games. It was like, yeah, I'm going to deliver for my team. Like, this is my time to shine. Like he loves 
the big stage and like those big moments. Yeah, no, and and that's kind of I think what makes players of that ilk just kind of sometimes what separates them from from the rest, right? Like Jamal Murray with like eighty percent confidence, like how good of a player is he, right? Like he's that it's like I think about Fred on the Raptors, right? Where he's always like, I'm just gonna keep shooting. I don't really care. Right. And obviously sometimes he goes over nine and but he's yeah. still like a hundred percent confident. And I think with a player like Jamal, that's just such a big factor because he's not the most I mean he is very skilled, but he's not the most athletic. Um obviously he's a great shooter. Um, but a lot of it is just through kind of being so confident in himself and the big moments and everything. And um, to bring this to like a guy on that on the team right now, I think that's a guy like Shea, right? Like he, how many game winners did he have last year for OKC? He must have had. I can think of the Wizards one and a couple others. He probably had two or three. Was really clutch down the stretch, and and hopefully that happens for for this team, kind of in those close games. But for you, Vivek, like you mentioned the Olympics, like how confident are you, or how like where do you think that maybe the percentages are? At, for Canada to qualify for the Olympics um, coming out of this tournament? Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't know if I can give you a percentage, but like when you look at the path, like it's a serious challenge, right? Like when you think about uh, two of Spain, France, Canada, Brazil will miss the quarterfinals, mm-hmm. right? Like, so you've got to be on it right from tip-off against France on Friday. Like, that game is critical because we know that initial group phase, those games carry over uh, into the next group stage. Uh, and so if you can get a win against France uh, off the top and ideally finish that initial group stage undefeated, then that puts you in a really good place to make the quarterfinals, right? Um, I think that is so pivotal. Um, Latvia is not going to be easy. Um, they're going to be a competitive team. Obviously, some of this thing is taken out with the absence of Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah. Um, but I, I still think that they're a, a tough team um, and they shoot the ball really, really well. Um, so uh, like I, in my preview, I was talking about how through the European qualifiers, they finished second in three-point makes and second in three-point percentage. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if if Canada has like a, a rough shooting night, like you could be in trouble, right? Or that could be a very difficult game. So um, in, in order, like, again, that first game will like set the tone, I think for the entire campaign. Uh, and, you know, if they win that first game, then yeah, I like their chances of making it to the quarters. If they don't, um, then it gets very difficult. No, that's, I, I you, you took the words out of my mouth. I think that if they beat France, I... I... I don't want to be too presumptive, but I think they probably make the Olympics. Like I find that game is so pivotal because of just the way the format of the tournament is, because it basically means you just need to split Spain and Brazil. They probably should beat Brazil. They're a good team, but they should. And Spain, they yeah. could definitely beat as well. They beat them in the pre uh, like the friendlies in Spain, which is no easy feat. So, um, but if they lose, then you have to win those two games probably against Brazil and Spain and, that's tough. And then you, a Latvian team that I think Canada should win comfortably, but they're a good enough shooting team, as you mentioned. Um, they're 11 and 1 in the qualifiers. That if they just get hot for one game, it's one game. It's not a seven game series. I think if it's a seven game series, Canada probably wins four like sweeps or wins in five, right? But <laughs> one game, like Ch- Chechi yeah. in uh, 2021 and Venezuela in 20, 2015 anything can happen. So um, I think you put it very aptly in terms of just, it will be that game tomorrow is it's hard to put too much on one game, especially the first game of the tournament, but in a lot of ways it is. And talking to the guys here, like um, there seems to be a lot of pressure on them. They, They don't seem the most relaxed. There seems to be, they're very focused. You know, a lot of guys talked about how just, um, you know, it's a it's a work trip, right? That like we're trying to get the job done. And I think to to make the Olympics, no one's really talked about getting medals at this tournament or anything along those lines. It's all been really about the Olympics as the focus. You know, Kelly said that as well um, today at his presser. So um, Jordy as well. He didn't really he didn't mention getting a medal or anything. So 
I think that's really the focus for this team. And if you look on the other side of the draw, um, I don't think I love hearing that, by the way, I, I love hearing that, you know, they're so focused and like really staying humble about this. Yeah, I know. Like, I almost like I feel like they're they're um, like a rash was talking to me kind of personally and just talked about they seem a bit tense. Right. Um, and that can be a good thing. Right. Like, I don't I don't want them to go into France and say, hey, uh, this is going to be a walk in the cake. And I watched a bit of their practice. Um, they look really, really focused but they are a big freaking team. Like they um, just all these guys like watching Canada and then watching them, it was like watching two, like just very different teams. Um, obviously they have Fournier, who's a really good FIBA player, DeColo, yep. uh, Rudy Gobert is like going to be a challenge for Canada, especially with maybe a lack of size. I think the matchup between him and Powell is going to be, if Powell can kind of break even or come close to even, I think Canada has a good chance um tomorrow so um but that team is just really athletic and big and uh gerson yabuseli i think i said that right is a really yeah. good FIBA player he plays i don't know i, I want to say kind of like draymond green um just a big really good defender good passer um just and so and they played together they made this they made the finals at the olympics won the silver medal where i think they lost like, like by six or seven points it was a pretty close game so um yeah but um, they don't have the pressure of having to to make the Olympics because they've already made it. Um, but I was talking to some of the journalists for the keep uh, here and they all set, felt very confident against Canada. They also sounded like their goal was to get a medal. Um, they felt I, I was kind of surprised that it was I mean, they, they I wouldn't say they took Canada lightly by no means, but I think because they've had so much success at Eurobasket at at uh, the World Cup, at Olympics, that there's that kind of confidence and, and togetherness that maybe Canada is lacking just because they've never really played together until uh, the summer. Yeah, and honestly, like, if you're uh, a France, Spain, um, I think even, you know, Australia with their recent success, like, they've earned the right to be confident, yeah. right? Like, uh, so I uh, I have no qualms with that and i think you know they're an established international team that has uh continually had success and again going back to the silver medal at the olympics like this is a very very dangerous team and this you you know you think about uh you know coach fernandez talking about you know we'll be tougher the further we go you know and, and again that speaks to the need for the, this canadian team to get reps and um just get that time on the court together and build yeah. that chemistry that's something the france yeah. the spains the australias they already have right and so uh that's so pivotal um in fiba basketball that's, that's interesting because just you hit on a point that um yesterday like i asked him a question just about kind of what the what they kind of expect from this team how they feel chemistry wise and you talked about just every game will be like I, I forget the quote but it's essentially the more we play together the better we'll be and the more confident we'll be and he said that in the presser today he reiterated like we're coming together we're gonna get better but he also talked about how the focus like this game is really important and um we really want to start well and um but I think there is the acknowledgement that the more they play together, the better they should be. Um, it's kind of funny because that should be the case for almost every team. But I think just with the nature of, of, of Canada compared to a France who's played together for years, um, that you probably will see kind of an uptick in their play just because of the talent, the sheer talent of the team. And just because they haven't played as much well for France, it's like, oh, they might be more connected by 10%, but they're already more connected than Canada. So it doesn't really change maybe their final outcome as much. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, I think now to be a bit more positive, uh, I think it the signs have been very encouraging, right? Mm -hmm. You look at the progression through the friendly games. Um, I think uh, they have looked like they have been building that chemistry and understanding. Uh, I think if you were to look at uh, the first game against Germany where they lost, um, 
I think they struggled to come to terms with the physicality there, right? And uh, even the second game, you know, the first half was sluggish, right? And then the second half, they really turned it up. And so I think learning those things, I think also playing, uh, you know, in hostile atmospheres, uh, that is something that would have benefited them as well. And so I think going through those growing pains in those friendly games uh, will serve them well. And I like the progression that has steadily been made. Uh, I think Shea, for example, started out probably a little bit cold. And I think he's slowly figured out the FIBA game and, uh, you know, figuring out where to pick his spots. And um, I think he's looking increasingly comfortable. Obviously, RJ Barrett has just like caught fire and like been awesome. Uh, and so I paint's think wide that's open. coming along. What's that? You said the paint's wide open. I asked <laughs> the difference. I was like, that, and uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case against France, but he does. Uh, there's the theory going around with him is just that in FIBA, there's less, less athleticism at the wings, right? Um, and that maybe that's the case that he can kind of get to the rim easier than in maybe an NBA setting. But right. there's, there is no defensive three seconds. So there's, the paint should, shouldn't be wide open compared to the <laughs> But uh, that's that's how he feels. So Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I think even watching the chemistry between Kelly Olenek and Dwight Powell, that's that's been amazing, right? And like mm-hmm. those two uh, are playing great basketball together. Uh, and I think Kelly is like so important to this team. His game is tailor-made for FIBA um awesome job breaking the scoop uh on him being yeah, team captain uh and uh I think he deserves it and yeah so I, I think there's been important strides throughout the friendlies uh ideally you know in keeping with the theme of continuing mm-hmm. to build up ideally you know France would have been at the end of the schedule and yeah. and you could have you know played uh Lebanon and uh, uh Latvia first but uh Hey, that's the way it goes. And again, at the same time, if you come out and you throw that first punch and you can mm-hmm. get that first W uh, against France, I think the confidence will just go through the roof. No, I, I think just piggybacking off what you said, I, the the first basically half against Germany, they were just, they, they definitely got a, you know, they just played a level of competition. They haven't played. The team had never played together, right? Uh, Germany made the Olympics, has a, uh, went deep in Eurobasket, right? And I think, honestly, on paper, Germany might be a top, I think, in the top five teams at this tournament. And it was in Germany. Um, and I would say the team hasn't really played well on both ends at the same time, right? They played against Spain, and their defense just went up a notch. Uh, I think in the third quarter of that game, they forced three shot clock violations and there was like a couple like heaves that actually went in for Spain. It could have been four or five. Um, yeah. But they're often, no, I remember at one point um, it was like seven minutes in and they had only given up like seven points. Yeah. It was something like that. Yeah. Which is no, insane. no, no. And, uh, but their offense kind of grinded to a halt at that same time. Yeah. It wasn't, um exactly a 12-0 run or they haven't really had a lot of runs in this in in the tournament and i think that's a lot of continuity because they've they've for example the second germany game they could not stop germany but yeah shot the lights out obviously rj had was 13 to 14 i don't know if that's going to happen all the time but um they, they haven't really brought it all together at once but um definitely more continuity i think the the bigs i think if dwight powell and kelly olenek can kind of survive at the four and five and maybe kelly at the five as well um well, it'll be interesting to see what jordy kind of um you know he's been coy about talking about any specifics which is understandable um but i think that'll be a really interesting matchup decision for him for example against gobert in France is do you just say, Hey, we're just going to try to get Gobert out of the paint for RJ and Shea. And we're just going to play Kelly at the five and know we're going to get, you know, out muscled on, on the glass, but he's still a legit seven footer, decent rebounder. Um, so I think this team is, you know, you'd maybe want a bit more size uh, at the, on, at the front court and center position, but um, it will be really interesting to see how they, they match up against France because they're kind of both very different teams. Um, France, very big, strong, and kind of, they don't really have a playmaker per se. Um, not that Canada does, 
doesn't like does as well but you know Shea obviously France doesn't have anyone like Shea or even like RJ as well so um the wing depth is just really deep for Canada yeah I think you know your point about the Gobert matchup is really interesting and I do think that uh we will see some minutes of Olenek at the five and uh you know I, I think back to when uh, teams have had success going up against Gobert. It's those teams that are able to drag him out of the paint and mm. put him in those pick and roll situations. Like, I mean, I even think back to you know uh, that championship Raptors team when mm. Marcus All was at the five and like a willing shooter from three. It just completely picked everything apart, right? Because now Gobert has to respect him. He's out there on the perimeter, and then Gasol is so smart, like he can pick any pass. Um, and that just gave them a world of difficulty, right? And uh, I think if you put Kelly at the five for stretches, right, and he can drag Gobert out, and uh, and let's not forget he's a pretty good passer himself. Right. I was gonna say, yeah. grew, grew up as a point guard, right, and <laughs> that's why he has those playmaking, ball handling skills. Uh, and so, uh, you know, no, no one's expecting him to be Marcus All. Obviously, Marcus All, <laughs> very different player. <laughs> <but> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, no, I think uh, that's probably something that you need to look at. Um, I think absolutely, I expect uh, Dwight Powell uh, to start the game and um, mm-hmm. have significant stretches, but those moments where you can pick uh you know kelly to maybe drag him out a bit um will be important yeah no and i I think it was in the spain game or no i think it was the germany game um the second one and they were basically going offense defense right they they bring dort in for powell um yeah and and on kind of offense and then uh on defense would would bring powell in just for the size um, not because Dort's bad defender by no means. Um, so I, I think that will be really interesting to see. Uh, and I'm curious what to to know what you think. But the way Jordy goes into this game, because um, if I were him, I'd be Shea, RJ. You're playing 35 minutes um, close to that. And because they, they do play Lebanon in, in the second game, and no offense to Lebanon, but I don't think Canada really needs to play its starters more than 20 minutes in that game is probably going to be a blowout. No, again, yeah. no, still yeah. Mark Spellman. Um, but uh, so I think that's what I do if I were him. And the thing is in the pre tournament games, or I, I keep saying that in friendlies um, he's done five man bench units primarily out of the second quarter. So um, is that something he keeps, he stays with against France? Um, I personally wouldn't, but um, that's, I think, a decision he'll he'll make, and I think we'll we'll kind of see because um, I do worry about Canada's basically lack of maybe another secondary point guard. I think Nikhil's a good playmaker, but um, probably not the same level as um, a Shea. Um, so I think that'll be interesting. And then um, just how many minutes does a guy like Kyle Alexander, Zach Eady, um, actually, when I was there uh, just before uh, the players came to to us, like. Jordy was with Zach Eady and kind of talking and going over some film it looked like on an iPad. And I wonder if that's, you know, against France that, hey, we're going to give you five minutes against Gobert, just hold the four. Um, I think, I don't know how what you think, but I think Eady against Gobert is actually a decent matchup because Gobert doesn't really have a lot of offense to his game, um, obviously. Um, so I think just you don't really need someone that needs to be jumping out to the perimeter in, in ED's case, he can kind of stick in the paint, which is basically what Rudy does on defense as well. For France, obviously, he's more mobile. So I'm, I'm kind of curious to see if ED gets any minutes because I almost like his, his matchup against uh, Rudy maybe a bit more than Kyle Alexander. Uh, I will say I, I like you know ED more than Alexander in the specific matchup, but I do think it'll be it pretty limited and yeah no you know, I, I think it's almost think, like this you know, is like the only not the only reason but like the, almost the test case of like you bring him in for Rudy Gobert um I don't yeah. I like let's say they're playing I don't know Australia or the like why is ED on the court right um yeah so, so and, and I would imagine some of that conversation that Jordy had with him would have been hey look 
Gobert, you know, isn't great at the free throw line. Um, you've got five fouls. Like, yeah, you know, if if you get yourself in trouble, like, don't be afraid to use them. Right now, mm-hmm. obviously, at the same time, Gobert doesn't have great post moves, so just hold your own. You know, uh, body him up and stay solid. But again, you've got five fouls. You don't need to worry about the minutes you're playing. Like, mm-hmm. you know, don't be afraid to use them. Um, and then. Uh, that's where I still lean towards going smaller against Gobert, just because mm. we've seen in the NBA, right, that teams are fine with like putting a, a stronger wing player um, on him, knowing that hey, look, if he wants to post up and try some kind of move, like let him go ahead. That's a win for us, right? Yeah, <laughs> no, taking no, no. away from, <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I would absolutely encourage that. Um, and, and I think it, it'll be another way, like the other thing that does it, it kind of takes the offense out of what it like really wants to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, and ball and movement they, and all of that. And when and they, if he gets, I, sorry, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say with, with Kelly at the five, they were just phenomenal on offense. Like they just had all the spacing against yeah. Germany um, at the end of that game. I think they had 113 points in a 45 minute game. So that kind of, points to you like that's shorter than an nba game right so um yeah and kelly was phenomenal and just the spacing and uh shea got to the rim rj got to the rim um i think it especially with this france team they're not necessarily a bunch of shooters they have guys like decolo um, and fournier who kind of come off screens um not the good playmakers not great playmakers so it maybe makes more sense to go with um kelly at the five where it's not really okay just like an amazing player and he has to rotate all the time and um, kind of put himself on an Island, which he, he, he has looked a bit slow in the games. Um, I thought Dwight Powell looked very slow in the first couple of games. And I was thinking, uh Oh, but by the Spain game, I thought his defense was phenomenal. So um, I think those two actually um, I'm more curious to see how they work together on defense, just because Kelly, at the four, you know, he's probably with guys, uh, guarding guys that are faster than him. Um, and uh, and then Dwight's always undersized, essentially, in every matchup. So just how they do defensively, I think, will be really key for Canada. Yeah, 100%, right? And if it's a close game, uh, that closing stretch, you mentioned how impactful Kelly was down the stretch. Uh, and I think you could see something like that again. Uh, I think... Uh, Dwight Powell, I expect him to hold his own. I think, as mm-hmm. you mentioned, like they have just like continually shown this progression and this understanding and this chemistry. And like, shout out to Dwight Powell because, like, 2020 ruptured Achilles. He oh, played in 21. I, I think hmm? he played in 21 after a ruptured Achilles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly like if anyone had the right to opt out of playing that qualifying tournament it was him and he showed up uh and and here he is again um always answering the call so uh much respect to him and uh and frankly all the guys who come out consistently uh so yeah man just uh really looking forward to this first game hopefully you know set the tone uh it's it's interesting you know talking about germany and assessing uh you know where their level is at like how many teams would you put ahead of them right now? Ahead of Germany. Yeah. Obviously the U.S. Um, yeah. I think other than the U.S., I thought I was really high on Australia. They actually have more NBAers than can- uh, Canada. Maybe not yeah. to the quality of NBA players, because essentially all the Canadian NBA players can maybe quibble with Nikhil, but are like NBA rotation players. Um, with yeah, the, the best one Australia's got is obviously Josh Giddy. Right? Yeah, and I, I'd probably argue that at, for sure Shea um, is better, and I'd probably say RJ, especially in FIBA. And I just think the depth on the team's better. Patty Mills is old, but to answer to your question, I'm going on an Aussie sidetrack, which I do like because I find them a really fascinating team. Um, yeah, but uh, I'd say I, I I don't even know. I think like for me, a lot a, a part of me thinks they're maybe the second best team in this tournament um, just because oh, wow. how sh- good Schroeder is, how good Wagner is like those guys, you put them against anyone other than the States and 
Um, and they have a, all these shooters. They have size. They're kind of built for FIBA. Um, and mm. I think that's why when you saw them play against the U.S., like it was they were Germany was up basically the whole game until Ant uh, took over in, in a really fun right. way. Um, I think because they have more camaraderie than Canada, um, I thought they got lucky and that Canada got lucky because Schroeder took like a take foul with like five minutes left, fouled out, and then Canada came back from, I don't know, six or eight points. So um, I think France, um, I'm a, just a bit lower on them. I think obviously the outcome of tomorrow will make me feel more certain or much less certain about that. I think Spain is really good, um, but maybe just the higher level of talent, I think, in that Canada game. Basically, once it got to overtime and it was or the kind of down the stretch um, and it was starters, restarters, Canada just had more talent. So, um, yeah, Spain, the big thing is like missing the point guards, right? Like not having Rubio, not having Lorenzo Brown. Yeah, Um, I think I think if those guys are there, then you feel much. They're probably two, I think, just because of their smarts, their defense, their shooting. Um, I think I would still have them one. Really? Like, uh, yeah. I just, I'm like, you know what? The U.S. always, like, in 2019, that team felt felt very doomed to fail. They didn't really have a point guard. They had a bunch of shooting guards. They had, they didn't really have any playmakers, right? Yeah. And this USA team, like, everyone could kind of playmake other than maybe Ant, who's still just that player you want at the end of the game. Like, Tyrese Halliburton, Austin. Right. Like, those guys seem like, in, uh, sorry, seem like FIBA-type players, they have Jaron Jackson, who's like that big that you want in FIBA, Walker Kessler as well. Yeah. They yeah, have yeah. shooters. Jalen Brunson's at like if you told him, told me he played for Puerto Rico and he was Carlos Arroyo, just like his type of game is kind of like <laughs> for for FIBA. It's not athleticism, it's more kind of just being so smart and um just breaking down defenses that way. So um to to kind of answer your question, I yeah, I th- I think they're probably I think second, maybe, um, maybe I'm going, I'm too high on them, but that's Dennis Schroeder for FIBA is just like a different beast. And I think Franz Wagner is a really, really good player, really good FIBA player, tall, can defend, can shoot threes, kind of everything you want. So um, I think Canada on paper could maybe get there. And I think the Australians, um, I think Jock Landell has been a big miss for them. Just that kind of interior player. They have a lot of guys that like, Tybal Green, um, not really playmakers. Some can kind of shoot. I think Ingles and Mills are kind of probably at the end of their their twilight. And in twenty twenty one was their their last hurrah. Um, and neither of yeah. them particularly well in the tournament games. So yeah, Chris Golding like still solid. Generations though. almost. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, so that's a that's interesting. We're like slightly different on uh, Jeremy, which is which is good. Um, mm-hmm. So you're a bit high on them. So I'm, I think I'm higher on, I think right now I would say I would put Spain ahead of them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would put France ahead of them and I would, I would also put uh, Australia ahead of them. Okay. So we've got them. That's fair. Mm -hmm. uh, Five, six, seven in the mix with Canada. Um, I'm curious to see, uh, you know, Serbia without Jokic, I, I still think they're really good. But mm-hmm. uh, is Bogdanovic yeah. playing for them? I haven't checked yeah. out. Okay. No. Yeah. So that's so, obviously he's a great FIBA player, was kind of killed the US in 2019. Like Jokic was good in 19, but I wouldn't have said, uh, I mean, I, I think they beat them in like the classification game, but I, they, they beat the US. Um, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. And, you know, again, going, coming back to, you know, one game, anything can happen if you come up against Slovenia and, you know. <laughs> Luca. yeah. I mean, they're they're missing, uh, I can't say, Vladko Chanchar. Is it Kanchar yeah. or Ch- Chanchar? Um, it's Chanchar. Uh, who obviously, like, was, I think, their only other NBA player. And, I mean, terrible injury. I think it was his ACLA. Um, well, I think Goran Dragic is missing yeah, as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he he. Yeah, since he left the the Raptors, I feel like he hasn't been in the NBA. Um, <laughs> just for the Raptors fans out there, but yeah, no. His uh, brother Zoran is around though. <laughs> he's a good he's a good FIBA player, but yeah, yeah. It, it, the sounds of it, it doesn't seem like their roster itself is as strong as maybe in twenty one. Um, yeah, who's been coming off an injury and. 
but yeah, like Luke, I, I don't want to play Luca in, in FIBA basketball. I don't know if people, I think Will Lou talked about it yesterday, but the pass where he did behind his back, but like it wasn't to, just, to the weak side corner. Yeah. Yeah. The weak side corner. Nuts. And I was like, I, how the heck? Um, yeah. You need to be so strong because to throw and, to pass a basketball like that behind your back, you need to have like the biggest triceps or something. Um, I don't know how. And, you, and not just the triceps, the, the wrists too, right? Yeah. Like, I think, I think that's where. Like you look at some of the shots he takes too. It's like, man, that flick of the wrist, like he's mm-hmm. in like the passes too. Like his wrists are super strong and like um super flexible as well, right? Mm-hmm. And he's like, looked he's better. Able to move them. And he's looks like he's been in better shape than in past years, right? Um, maybe that affects him, maybe just bodying guys, but I think overall it's not like he's Kevin Durant skinny or something like that like he's still a bigger guy and and strong so um yeah Luca in shape is definitely something you have to be very wary of but I just think overall maybe talent um I think in a seven game series I actually would like them less because teams could kind of coordinate around Luca but in one game you haven't played him you're not used to the heliocentrism of the team um and just guarding him uh but uh yeah i guess i guess so what would your power ranking be i guess going into the the tournament because now i'm kind of curious to to know <laughs> uh so i would like put usa five, one top five i guess I'll, yeah 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 uh so i'll put usa one um i'll put spain two um you Australia three, France four, um, and I'll put uh, let's go Canada five. Okay, okay, I like it. I, I'll I'll give mine. I think I'll go just. I think just maybe those two Germany games scarred me and just scared me. And then they played really well against the States. To be fair, um, but I'm gonna go USA Germany on uh, um and then it's gonna be tough i kind of want i wish i could just say whoever wins the france uh, canada game goes one spot ahead um i'll, I'll go spain. yeah i mean i'd love to do that too <laughs> i'll, <laughs> go, spain, spot I'll go spain three um i'll go uh, i guess australia did beat france but i'm gonna go france and then uh, i'm gonna go canada i think australia just they lost to brazil um they they did beat france in in um Australia but I'm they just I've listened and read a little bit about their team and it doesn't seem like they're maybe in the same kind of place they were in 2021 um and they're a pretty young team they do have FIBA experience but um I think just the higher quality talent um maybe just a bit lacking compared to Canada and that's going to be my outlier so um there you go um just to go to France like just what players um do you think for Canada really have to step up against um, France to for them to, to be successful and win the game? Like, what kind of X factors do you think will have to... Who are the X factors for Canada? Yeah. Against France? Um, I think Olenek absolutely has to be at the top of the list. Uh, you think uh, we, we discussed, you know, potentially him matching up for some minutes at the five with Gobert um, and, like, the spacing that he can provide, like... Uh, if he's hot from three, I think it can change the dynamic pretty quickly. And so I put him at the top of the list. Uh, I don't think we can use uh, RJ as an X factor. He's too important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so so I will go with um, as much as I want to say Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say against Dort. Um, yeah. I think he has struggled with the three ball. Um, but again, going back to the point about you know Canada going small in different stretches, like he's someone you could definitely, uh, depending on who's on the court, just be like, okay, you know, mm-hmm. we'll stick you on Gobert because we know you have the strength, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if they want to throw it in let them go ahead and then you can kind of roam off of that as well. Right. So um, if he can just knock down a couple of three balls, I, I think it changes everything I, I, in terms of his value. 
I do think his offense has been limited or, or affected just by the fact that he was in those five man bench units where he was really asked to do a lot of creation. If it wasn't, that's very fair. Uh, if it wasn't uh, Nikhil or, or Tra Trey Bell Haynes. And I just think you put him in a situation where he has RJ Nikhil, like some spacing and it's more kind of cutting, which he's pretty good or just kind of taking a guy off the dribble and just using his body. Um, and he's such a strong guy kind of to, to, and he's been okay at with the kind of driving to the rim and, and finishing. So I think if Jordy goes to basically an NBA uh, kind of rotation with a big um, and maybe sprinkle in a minute or two of, of Trey Bell Haynes or Melvin Edgem, I think he'll do much more because he was asked to playmake and that's just not, that's Lou Dort on the 2021 Thunder, and I don't really want that all the time. Um, so I'm curious to see. Maybe he still can't shoot, but like at kind of the volume and the percentage that Canada wants. But I think in a setting where there's more playmakers, he should be better than maybe what he showed in the friendlies. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. Uh, just, just hope it all works out uh, against France. <laughs> I do, <laughs> I do think disappointment. I do think Nikhil probably for me just with the guys that aren't Shea or RJ, I think Kelly, it's almost, you have to count him as a part of that um, kind of the reliable player that you just expect maybe 11, four and four or something like that, or give or take on the mm. point assist. But um, he's been pretty consistent in terms of his output throughout yep. the, the friendlies. I think Nikhil, especially in those bench units where he's going to be the playmaker, if he can make a couple tough shots, get a couple guys wide open threes, which he's done pretty effectively. Um, if they can kind of survive those bench units, um, I think the starters have got better and better with, with each game. And um, I know I've been talking to the the French media and they say they're the starters are the guy said maybe the best in the tournament, which I found interesting and um, maybe disagree with that, but I'm not as familiar um, with the French team as well. Um, but so it sounds like though the French aren't maybe as deep as uh, Alex is about to hit them with the shack. I wasn't familiar with your game after yeah, no, no. <laughs> after Friday oh, morning. Yeah, no, I've been trying to research a bit about the French. <laughs> um, but like they're missing Nilakina and um, uh, Caber. Uh, what's his name? Timothy Cab. Uh, you know the guy who played for the Nets for a couple of years. Um, Cabrero. Like Cabrero. Um, like they're not on the team, so they're missing a bit more NBA guys that were there and. 2021 but um so maybe maybe the bench doesn't matter as much as more but i think overall um maybe not just specific to tomorrow um just how that bench unit does if they can hold their own i feel really confident that as jordy says every game will get better and i think the more the starters play um i think shea will get more uh kind of acclimated i think he's missed a couple he's missed a lot of good looks um, and I think that those will probably drop once he's kind of in better shape. He talked to me. I asked him kind of how he was kind of adjusting to the FIBA game. And he said, you know, it's, it's taken me a bit, but I feel pretty good. I'm in good shape. Um, I feel ready. So, uh, it's still basketball. He said, so, um, uh, I, th I think he's kind of ready to take his game up. And, um, I, I wanted to know what you thought of just maybe Canada's biggest areas of strength um is and i think in for me in a weird way if we go just to the end of games i think having a guy like shea like those two games against germany and, and spain that were close at the end canada prevailed and i think a lot of that was because of him and rj just being just the best players in the court and, and commanding that the end of the game so if canada can keep it close at the end i feel really confident um compared to basically every other team in the tournament other than maybe uh, the u.s and i guess i'll say germany just because i'm on their bandwagon i guess now yeah <laughs> yeah no i i think uh with shay it's you know in terms of him understanding the fiba style it's also understanding how it's being called right and mm -hmm. this guy at the nba level he's used to getting to the line like eight ten times a game and you know now certain things are not being called the same way right so I think there's been a bit of that adjustment too. And I think he's recognizing what works and what doesn't. Um, and uh, so I think, and, you know, there'll be a slight progression of that going from a friendly game to a world cup game as well. 
right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I think when you look at, you know, areas of strength, obviously, you know, you look at RJ Barrett, Shea Gilgis, Alexander, that ability to get into the paint and kind of wreak havoc in that way. Uh, I think that's a big strength. I, I think this Powell, uh, Olenek chemistry um, is a big strength. Uh, two bigs that kind of just have this cerebral understanding of each other um, is a big strength as well. Uh, obviously the, the ball pressure uh, I, w- I was saying this, you know, when I was chatting with Will, I feel really confident almost like early in the sh- shot clock when Canada is defending mm-hmm. and they're applying that ball pressure, trying to create a turnover. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I feel like they can force a turnover. It's almost like when you're playing teams like Germany, you know, uh, that have such a good understanding, once they're able to get into their half court sets, that's when you start to see things kind of, uh, I wouldn't fall apart is probably too strong a word, but where like that crispness where even, you know, one, if you, if you're a split second late on a rotation, they punish you. Um, that's where, you know, we need to see that progression. Um, and I, I think we saw that, uh, you know, especially in the game against Spain. Um, but, uh, I think that's maybe an area of concern for me where I'm like, what does that look like now with the stakes being so high in these world cup games and that Christmas in the defensive rotations and defending in the half court. What's interesting on that is just to put it to France is that, um, they, I think they had 22 turnovers against Australia. They had at least 20, um, against Australia in a 40 minute game, which is like, how do you do that? Um, and Canada has been pretty good at forcing turnovers. I think Shea had five steals. I forget what I want to say it was the journey or maybe it was New Zealand. It might've been New Zealand. Um, he had five steals, like in like 20 minutes. Um, so just on that point, I think that's something that Canada can maybe take advantage of as Nick Nurse would always do, the turnover battle. Um, And the thing with France, unlike maybe, I mean, Spain doesn't really have a point guard now, but um, like Germany, for example, is they don't really have a natural commanding point guard ball handler to kind of create those matchups and and opportunities. And meaning that if you put Lou Dort, you put Dylan Brooks, like you can cause havoc, you can get under under kind of underneath them um, cause some turnovers deflections kind of stop their offense from getting forward because they don't have a, a guy like Luka Doncic or someone of that ilk to, or Jalen Brunson that can really command and survey the, the defense and um, is just a good enough ball handler to kind of get out of the pressure to get out of the, um, those kind of situations. So um, I think that's going to be really interesting is does France turn the ball over a lot? I'd imagine if they don't, if it's a handful of turnovers, Canada probably isn't winning that game just because of, um, as you mentioned, the half-court defenses. They're just not as connected as other teams, I would say. Um, They have good defenders in their starting unit, but they don't have great defenders, I would say. So um, that's other than maybe Brooks. um, So that's going to be interesting to, to see how it all plays out. Yeah, yeah. Bring it on, man. We got less than twenty-four hours to so, go. So, so I'll, I'll uh, you've I've, you've taken a lot of time with me, so I really appreciate it, Vivek. But um, just what's your prediction? Does uh, let's put aside maybe them getting a medal at this tournament because um, I think for most people that's not the priority. Just for the Olympics, like in the end, do that. Do you think by the end of this tournament, Canada will have uh, qualified for the Olympics for the first time since two thousand? Oh man, you're putting a lot of pressure on. <laughs> um, I I wish they had an easier draw. Um, mm. and so like, my mind has an answer, but I'm gonna answer with my heart, and I'm gonna say yes, Canada. Okay. Can <laughs> I'll I'll give you I give you my political answer that I've I've said a couple times. Um, I think if they beat France. They make the quarterfinals, and if they yeah, make no, I think we're on the same page there. And if they make the quarterfinals, I do think Dominican will, has a very good chance of making the quarters. I don't know how much I like them to really go past that stage. Um, even though Canada would probably have the harder side of the quarters, um, I just think if Canada plays them in a qualification game, they're going to beat them at the end of the day. Um, and man, Italy is a nice team just because you mentioned Dominican like yeah. Italy is a nice team and, but man if Paulo Banquero had elected to play for them oh my god yeah 
that that is actually i was i've listening it's a whole like i think the italian uh oh they're not happy they are i mean he's basically i think he's committed he committed to them essentially like yeah and he i know he talked about playing for italy um and then uh kind of um the usa came calling and uh he switched so i think it was a previous window in 2021 or 22 yeah maybe um, summer where he had made the commitment but i think for i think it was a covid absence yes i think you're right related and and so it it didn't end up happening and then yeah Yeah. you know what canada basketball kind of got screwed from covid in in 21 because of no fans at their home uh Mm. tournament so I, I don't have too much sympathy i i mean i'm kidding but uh <laughs> that would that would really really suck and um i think it, yeah they play the italians and then i believe it would be the u no it's not the u.s who, uh, i don't have the draw but the dominican has a really i think it's serbia sorry um so they have a pretty they basically just have to beat italy and they probably make the quarters i'd have to double check who serbia's um and but they have a much easier path to um, the quarters in Canada, but I think if Canada were able to make it there, um, I feel pretty confident that. Uh, so, just so everyone know, um, if Canada beats France, you can stop watching the rest of the tournament. They've qualified, and uh, if not, then uh, you can stop as well. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah. So I think that France game is just going to be so. I think as like I know I'm a media member, but I'm also a fan. Um, I think if they're able to win that game, I'll just be pretty ecstatic. Um, uh, personally, yeah. Just, because it will be, um, I think they should be okay with Latvia. I was really worried about KP. I was like, if they have KP, oh my God, they're not going to make it out of this group. I, I can see it. It's like every time Canada goes to any event, something terrible happens. It's happening. But I think without KP, um, I think that they should be fine. So to at least make it out. So I think they beat they beat. Uh, France, it's just going to be such a such a big win for this team, and probably kind of um, as Jordy keeps saying, they're going to get better with each game. So deeper in the tournament, I kind of like them more than right now. Yeah, agreed, agreed on all points there. So let's get that dub, man. Friday morning, let's get that dub. Exactly. If here, I'm going to be. It's it's funny. It's right now 11 p.m. here in uh, Jakarta. So um, everything, basically, my days are just late nights um, like slash early mornings. And all Canada's games, I think, are at 8.30, so uh, local. So, yeah, it's I'm basically getting to the arena. Like, I'm, I'm not going to be up until, like, 11 midnight so, uh, or noon just because it's all late nights and, and radio and everything. But, uh, Vivek, yeah. thanks so much for, for taking the time and doing this. Um, I just want to give you the floor. Anything you want to plug? What what are you kind of doing for uh, Canada basketball? How are you covering uh, the team and um, just anything you want to plug? Yeah, I mean, first off, kudos to you with the with the hustle. Um, Thanks. And all the best for mm-hmm. uh, the weeks ahead. Hopefully, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I think uh, in terms of what I'm doing, I've done a preview uh, of the tournament uh, in general. Uh, for Sportsnet, so you can go check that out at cool. Sportsnet.ca. I will be um, part of a team that is doing daily recaps. Cool. Um, and so I've been assigned certain days of the tournament to just you know give you uh, a synopsis of everything that happened that day. Uh, and so yeah, uh, I'm just excited for all all the great basketball that, that we're about to see. Like, there's a lot of fun teams. Uh, to watch and I think the games are going to be really competitive and fun um, and yeah again less than 24 hours hopefully hopefully we're talking about a, a Canada win over France yeah I'm just I'm just hoping I'm not talking to like RJ and they lost at the end on like a buzzer beater and it's like what's next for the program uh, yeah no I don't want that uh, so uh, fingers crossed and I'll obviously be there I'll be tweeting I'll, I'll be doing everything like that I'll have a post game um, kind of postcast uh, with S. Berhini of SDPN. Um, so that should be fun, a kind of quick 30-minute um, thing. Well, hopefully it's uh, we're just smiling for 30 minutes. So um, anyways, thanks so much, Vivek, for, for doing this. Um, obviously, uh, you know, I've, I've looked up to you for a long time. You were kind to come on my own podcast and you've 
shared uh, your time more than once with me. So I always appreciate it. And uh, I'll definitely be checking out your recaps and uh, everyone else should. And, uh, and also for people who don't know if he, uh, he covers a lot of cricket and tennis. So uh, check him out on that. And uh, hopefully Alcaraz uh, beats uh, Djokovic uh, next, uh, next month in, in uh, New York. Yeah, we'll see about that, buddy. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I would have, I feel more confident now that he beat him at Wimbledon, but uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, it's a great rivalry. Like their games uh, are making for some ridiculous matches. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. It was Cincinnati's like a little bit of revenge, but I'm I'm looking for the big revenge at the U.S. Open. Yeah, it's Federer's still my favorite player. That's uh, he's still my goat in my heart. That's uh, but uh, I I think we talked about I think I'm, I think it was September last year about Alcaraz getting to ten majors, and I feel very confident in my over on that. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of take that as some bragging rights that. Uh, I think that's, I don't know. Do you feel that way? I, this is turning into a tennis podcast and it shouldn't, but uh, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. I, th- I think by now, you know, with my brand, people should expect that by now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I, I, I take the over as well. I think, you know, he's already got two in the bag. Uh, you're looking at uh, hopefully uh, a 15 year career to come. And so I, I think he'll get there. Uh, I think definitely Yannick Sinner is going to push him. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I love Yannick Sinner's game. Um, and, you know, we'll see uh, how much longer Novak decides to play. Uh, that's going to play a bit of a factor. But I think Alcaraz is too good. He's got the mentality. He's got the game. Uh, and sh- should have the longevity um, to get to 10. Uh, I don't know how much more than that. But right now, I, I would take the over on 9.5. Yeah, he's only 20. Or is he 21? I... He's 20. Yeah. 20? Yeah. Um, I, I, I just think that obviously I was really high on him when he won the U S and what he did last year, just winning one thousands and everything. But the way he won that Wimbledon was just so impressive to me. That was unbelievable. It was just, and I mean, I do think Djokovic kind of in the biggest moments was definitely not his best on a lot of, it was weird to see him like this. This is the most like clutch tennis player i've ever seen uh you know whether you think he's the goat or not i think that is pretty indisputable uh, yeah yeah i think um in terms of the big moments that he's come back from mm -hmm. and so yeah it was pretty uncharacteristic to see like the unforced errors that he made in big moments um but you know the the door being open something you still got to walk through it um and alcaraz you know he he once he got got ahead, he didn't blink. Uh, like in that fifth. Uh, no, and so. it's, it's crazy because I think he still has a lot of room to improve in his game. I think the one I think of mostly is the serve. Um, yeah, it, it's got better in the past year, no doubt. Um, but that's the one area where he's like a pretty strong guy. I think he can uh, make it more of a weapon, kind of like Nadal did. Like at the end of his career, Nadal's actually was like. A, he wasn't the ace king or anything, but he really was really effective, especially on hard courts at the slice yeah. out wide, um, down the tee. He'd get a couple aces on big points. I think of that Medvedev match at Aussie 2022, and he just kind of served out of his butt at the end and played phenomenal. And I don't know if he would have been able to do that 10 years ago. Um, and yeah. with, with Alcaraz, I'm sure he has the determination, but that's something I'm I'm kind of looking at as something he can really improve that will just make him like Djokovic did the same thing, right? He had a bad oh, serve. His serve that... was not good. For a now it's time. like one of the better serves on tour in just yeah. kind of um, not aces. Um, aces can be very misleading as a Milos Raonic fanboy. Um, I, I know the difference between good serving and bad serving. So um, not that Milos was bad by any means, but uh it, the aces don't always tell you that he, he someone serves well. Well, it shows the value of placement, right? I would say more so like speed doesn't doesn't mm-hmm. tell you much about uh, yeah. a serve, right? Um, and so, like I think Novak, like his spot serving, has just like gone through the roof. So, uh, but that's another thing uh, in that Wimbledon final, right? I think he only had two aces, mm-hmm. um, and, and so oh, I think that put a lot of pressure on him too. Yeah, so. So yeah, uh, so, yeah. So it's hopefully, all... hopefully we get one and two in the U.S. Open final. 
Uh, and and so you're picking Djokovic. We'll end off yeah. on this one. Yeah, Djokovic all the way. Okay, I'm gonna go yeah. Alcaraz. I think that's my heart too. But um, I uh, I just feel like he's he's the reigning champion, man. He has to go through. Djokovic needs to go through the reigning champion. How many times have you had to say that and really felt that it was a a problem for Djokovic? So, um, but hey, I, I'll say this too. Um, the fun part is Novak has always been a good chaser. that's true that's true and the great thing just for the sport is just to have a rivalry it felt as though when Nadal kind of getting older and Federer um Nadal obviously had a great run the past couple years but other than really on the clay they hadn't he hadn't really been playing Djokovic at that top top level it's now nice to feel like there's a rivalry back and um I think it's going to be the next couple years I mean Djokovic just takes care of his body in such a way that at the slams, I think those guys will, will meet each other. I think Sinner is going to be definitely the next guy up. Um, and I'm sure there's going to be others. Um, I think with Sinner, I'm just, I don't like his serve. Um, maybe that's just me. Mm-hmm. I find it's almost like the Murray versus Djokovic debate where Murray just never had the same serve, same second serve really that uh, yeah. which had. And I honestly think that might've been like a lot of the reason why Djokovic has 23 and is it 20 it's 23 yeah and uh yeah it's 23 finished with three so anyways um I'll, I'll be looking to you for that coverage um check out your sub stack as well i forget the name of it but check that out as well for tennis you're an amazing writer i love the piece you had on alcaraz versus Djokovic, the kind of recap and um story on it so everyone should check it out everyone should check Thanks, out man. uh vivek's work yeah so my sub stack is the sports student and i want to like i think i'm I've set it up in a way where you can just pick the sport that you want to follow. Mm-hmm. So I've got tennis on there, but I will have like some soccer stuff. I will have like basketball stuff that I can't find an outlet for. Mm. I'll put on there as well. And so cool. you can just pick the sport that you want. You don't like, if you want all of them, then just subscribe to the sports student. But if you specifically want tennis, like I've called that uh, swinging volleys. So you can just subscribe to that one. Awesome. Well, I'll definitely be checking out all your stuff. And uh, thanks again for trying to to do this uh out for like the past 15 minutes when i (laughs) uh want to plug your your pod but no it's more than more than uh, always a fun time and uh we'll definitely do this again on on some podcast and uh yeah thanks thanks so much for for doing this and uh off camera tell me all uh your uh insight and any uh, tips you have for me with the with everything else yeah for sure